Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. So I texted Taylor earlier this week, and I just said, you know, we just don't have time for you this week. There's nothing really to talk about. There's absolutely nothing in your past that would bring up anything of interest other than games you have this weekend. And Taylor said, I'll drive to Waco, sit in your studio, and I will boycott. Taylor McCarg of ESPN joins us on 365 Sports. Have you worn anything but rice jerseys all week long? You know, uh, we filmed All-American, our show at the American Conference yesterday, and uh, I, I really had every intention to put on my old uniform. Um, but it, very humbling to put on your football uniform 10 years later, and uh, we, we decided that was not going to end up on camera. But, uh, yes, I have been in some form of rice gear all week, and I have rice this weekend. So at some point I'm going to have to uh, drop my fandom and my love for that school, I guess it'll be sometime right around kickoff. Taylor, what did that game mean to Rice, and what does it mean for Dana Holgerson at Houston? Well, for Rice, it means that they legitimately have a chance. If you look at their next few weeks, uh, I think you can. there's a real clear path where if they beat the teams that they should and the games that they're favored, that Rice could make a bowl game in their first year in the American Conference. And Rice made a bowl game last year, the first one under head coach Mike Bloomgren, but they did that at five and seven uh, and ultimately ended the season with a losing record. So this, everything, all the messaging in the offseason and the messaging so far from Rice is that they feel like they're ready to take the next step. And part of that was you had to beat some teams that you weren't going to be favored against. Uh, Rice has a really tough stretch of their schedule where they play SMU, Tulane, and UTSA back-to-back-to-back. And so they need to get some of some of these wins early in the season before they go through that stretch. Uh, but that was a huge first step for them. On the other side, uh, obviously, and this is – I'm looking at the same stuff everybody else is, but Dana Holgerson, the fans around that program are frustrated, clearly. And it's not just losing to your rival and losing to Rice. Uh, but I think it, it goes back to performance in the back half of last season – even though they beat UTSA in week one, it was kind of a sloppy game. Um, and it was it was closer than I think they expected it to be in their first year in the Big 12. And uh, look, if you or look around the Big 12, even with some of the teams that are struggling more than we expected, I think it's safe to say Houston may be the worst team in the Big 12 this year. Yeah, I, I think there's an argument to be made. I mean, we'll see what Baylor does eventually, but uh, West Virginia as well. But yeah, I think that you're, you're – onto something uh, with that and it just seems like there's not a lot of positive energy uh, there for that program right now Taylor everybody's talked Texas Alabama to death at this point but I mean with you being a former quarterback I did, I was curious about your thoughts obviously Quinn Ewers was you know from the quarterback's perspective a uh, very good uh, Jalen Milrow deep balls awesome a lot of the other stuff was was very hit or miss just from a, a QB's perspective how did you view those two last weekend in that monster game 
Yeah, well, look, I, I would take a 30,000-foot view and take a step back on the SEC in general, and I think the SEC quarterback play this year is pretty poor. And you look across the conference, usually in the, in the last few years, there's been a first-round draft pick or two in the SEC, and that's a big reason why they've had so much success. But it's just not there this year. Uh, the top quarterback play is in conferences like the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12. Um, I thought the, the piece that stood out to me the most for Quinn Ewers against Rice, 0 for 7 on passes beyond 15 yards. They just didn't hit any shot plays. And obviously they corrected some of that against Alabama. And that's when you need to do it, right? It's, it's far more important for you to hit your explosives against Alabama than it is against Rice. And I thought that was the step that you hoped that you would see out of Quinn Ewers if you're a Texas fan, and they certainly did. And now look, I mean, these odds, it doesn't mean anything until they go out and perform, but now they are right there tied with Ohio State with the, the best odds in the country to make the playoff just in week two. So uh, I think the hype train is obviously full speed ahead for Texas, and um, they've got a couple tests coming up. I think they're coming to Baylor for their opener in Big 12 play in a couple weeks, and then obviously Oklahoma. Uh, but again, the hype train is well on its way for Texas. What did you see? And I, I, in my opinion, I saw just a team that they kind of just hung together, especially when they when they fell behind, which a lot of teams would have crumbled in Tuscaloosa. They just did. They didn't blink. What did you see differently from Texas winning a game like this early than perhaps other years in the last decade? Yeah, I think a couple things. Number one. People made a mistake for the last few years that the Texas is back joke where uh, the talent that Texas has on its roster now is different than what they've had since 2009. And there's been stretches where certainly there were five stars on the team, but from a depth perspective, especially up front, offensive and defensive line, man, they are stacked. And that gives you the opportunity to be in every single game, no matter who you're playing. And then the other piece that's just more of a uh, what you want to see out of a team is they believe. I mean, you could just tell watching them, and especially uh, going back and talking. You just talked about coming from behind and fighting through adversity. That to me stood out because that was not something we've seen from Texas for a long time. And it just points out again that they truly believe in the guys that they have, the staff that they have, and they've got one goal, and it's winning the Big 12, being undefeated and making it to the college football playoff. That is the key goal for them. Taylor, if you look at Texas A&M, the offense certainly looks better, but everything else doesn't look better. What do you think is the future for them this season? Yeah, their secondary is, is certainly taking a step backwards. And some of that was guys that they had gotten uh, through the, the hell of splashes in NIL and five stars that had come in that were young. A lot of those guys moved on. And I thought the secondary is going to be a challenge for them all year. Now Miami on the other side is a much better Miami team than the Miami team that came to Kyle field last year. Uh, I think A&M is, they are improved as well, but this is not a playoff contender. This is a at best middle of the pack SEC West team that I think their ceiling is nine wins. And I think, you know, the, the floor for them is probably six wins. It'll be somewhere in there. Uh, but this is not going to be a team that I think you see regularly upset teams that they're not favored against. Taylor McCarg, former Rice quarterback with us, college football analyst with us on 365 Sports. So when you, anybody in the group of five, in particular UTSA with a nice bounce back win after the loss to Houston, which I know just eats away at Jeff Trailer, 
Is there anybody in the group of five right now, Tulane and anyone else other than Tulane that jump out at you? Yeah, there is. And it's actually, I had some things get switched around last week. And so I got to see them in person. Uh, SMU, they played at Oklahoma and they had the better quarterback at SMU than Oklahoma did. Preston Stone outplayed Dylan Gabriel for basically that entire game. And they've got some depth at the group of five level. Uh, Oklahoma, now again, it was against Arkansas State, but Oklahoma hung 73 points, pitched a shutout on defense in their opener. And all of the things that you saw that that offense did well, SMU took all of that away. Oklahoma in the second half decided we're just going to have to run the ball right at these guys because we can push them around some physically, and that's what they did. But I thought that was alarming that, uh, you know, Rhett Lashley said in his postgame presser, we did not give up the explosive plays to them. We made them earn it, and he was exactly right. And for SMU, they have an opportunity now where they still have TCU to play. But after that, I think there is a legitimate chance if they were to upset TCU, which I'm not even sure that would be an upset at this point, if they upset TCU and run the gauntlet in conference play, that's going to be your top group of five team, especially with just a close loss to Oklahoma. Now, uh, that's a lot to, to ask of a team. Sure. But I thought they have the capability and the talent. And, and also, it's just a team that I don't think a lot of people are talking about yet. You know, uh, and I don't know this, Taylor, and I probably should. When you were at Rice, did they run any of the flex bone or the bone, anything like that, or was that passed? No, when when we played SMU, they had it was, it was right at the tail end of the June Jones era, and so they were back to slinging it around all over the place. That's when Garrett Gilbert had transferred from right. Texas and over to SMU, and Kyle Padrone. These guys where they were throwing it around and going to bowl games, but they weren't. The, the big difference from then to now is for people that haven't followed this stuff, they have a ton of money committed to the football program mm -hmm. that wasn't even just 10 years ago and upgrades and facilities, massive backing in the NIL game. Obviously you saw the commitments that got them into the ACC where they're just waiving their revenue dollars for nine years and they're not even concerned about it. They're like, we've got the money and the backing to do it. And, and in modern college football, that's what you have to have to be relevant. So I think people need to be prepared. Look, if you drop them in the ACC this year, I think they're, they're not in the bottom five. They're better than five or six teams in the ACC right now. Uh, and I think people need to get prepared for they will compete earlier than people probably give them credit for in the ACC. Did you yourself, when you were at Rice, was that past any of the time when they ran the bone or anything option? Or did you were you a part of that when you were at Rice? No, we had okay. some lingering guys that were older that, that had been recruited by Ken Hatfield to run right. the option, but by the time I got there, okay. we would, they they would have been there for a couple of years. Okay, I was going to ask you about what it's like to run something like that, knowing your opponent only has three or four practices, if that many, to get ready for it. Memphis is playing uh, Navy tonight. They've played before, but I was curious about that, but uh, that, that answered my question. All right, just one more time. Where did you play college football? <laughs> Rice University, a big win, and uh, looking forward to I've got them this week against Texas Southern. Uh, they'll be favorites, and uh, the opportunity to get to 2-1, and one, which, uh, as you guys know, Rice having a winning record in non-conference in September, that is not normally how it goes. So uh, there's a lot of positive momentum, and I'm, I'm very happy for Coach Bloomgren and his team. You should be, and a proud alum, Taylor McCarg, ESPN with us, college football analyst on Thursdays at 4.30. I mean, he, he ought to be happy. He ought yeah, to be excited. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you, you, nice win for them against your crosstown rival. 
And you wonder, I know it's sometimes certain teams, like, they're not our rival, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's a turf war in, no, in they're Houston. they're like miles Absolutely. apart. It's that, they got a, the Bayou Buck. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yep. it's not a, yeah. some fraudulent rivalry. It's a, it's a real deal rivalry, and Rice hadn't won it in a while. And they went out and they won it, um, you know, in, in big fashion. And I, I agree with him. I, I don't come out of there necessarily just thinking about Rice because I, I don't, but uh, I do wonder about Houston and just sort of the trajectory that, we're, we're all, that they're on. And when we're talking about, you know, hot seats and things like that, I know Dana said this offseason of like, well, my buyout's huge. I'm not worried about it. But, I mean, you talk about losing fan bases and just, you know, kind of the situation in Waco right now where everybody's kind of on pins and needles as far as just needing to win. They they got a win against UTSA, and I think it masked things for like a week. Yep. And then turn right around, you're like, oh, no, everything's exactly the way that it was. We just eked out a win over UTSA. And you realize the way that it was was not great. And so, yeah, that's going to be a situation to monitor depending on how the wins and losses go for the Cougars. But a huge opportunity this weekend, I mean, against TCU at home, first Big 12 game. Um, we don't know how good TCU is. I think they're better than Houston. But, um, you know, that's that's a game. You go and win that, and that'll cool things down for at least a little while because that would be a massive win for for you know, not only Holgerson, but just the program in general uh, to jump out to 1-0 in the Big 12. So that that's an important game for them um, and, you know, one that I'm very curious about. By the way, if, if you were one of those wondering about the clock rules, the new rules in college football, uh, Chris Hummer and Ross Dellinger, a couple of different tweets that came out a little bit ago. Craig's off the radar is next. Through two weeks, two full weeks of college football, the new clock rules doing exactly as intended decreasing the games by three or four offensive snaps, six or seven total plays counting special teams, and about five minutes of total time. So I thought it would be more plays than I thought, maybe between 8 to 12, at least through the first couple of weeks. So really not much of a difference, but subtly, obviously, commercial time hasn't been affected. But that's where they are. game last week was the the kind of acme of foolishness when it came to, yeah, we're going to, cut time to shorten TV. No, you cut time and sold more breaks. And then you sold minutes inside that. Like, so they, like we had a sequence at the end of the first quarter last week between Baylor and Utah. This was such BS. It man. was yeah, so it was ridiculous. Awful. So there were eight seconds left and an interception got thrown. So there's a change of possession. So they took a break, right? One play was run and the quarter was ended. So they took a break. Then a play happened that needed a review, so they took a break. And then a couple plays happened, and somebody got injured, and they took a break. No, so, somebody got uh, injured, and there was a, a turnover or a catch or yeah. something. They they waited for the injury to play itself out, for the player to leave the field, and then after that announced there was a review of a play when they could have been doing that when the player was on the field. Yeah, they all those happened, and so we saw maybe – Five to six total plays in twenty minutes. It was, it was a lot. Like it was a very long time between the actual end of the first quarter and when the second quarter, you could say, had really started rolling. It was twenty minutes. Yeah. So if you're trying to shorten anything, like work that out. Yeah, I mean the whole tending to an injured player and then waiting for that to be over to then go and review a play that you were intending to review was just stupid. Like I, I don't know if there was miscommunication or what, and it wasn't like a disrespectful thing. Like they couldn't go over this. Nobody would have noticed. Nobody would have noticed if they had gone to the side while he was injured and uh, they had gotten. He taken. also wasn't in the stretcher. He was, yeah, it wasn't like some like big serious ankle, injury. You know? Yeah, so they're just sitting there, just waiting, not doing anything. 
and minutes are going by, and then finally he's up like, okay, let's go back to play. Nope, now we got to review it. And it was just like, what? Then what the hell were you doing the last few minutes? It was it was bizarre, but you know I, I understand the complaints about it. Um, that's not why we're there is to you know watch uh, watch the commercial breaks. But uh, I, I haven't noticed a major difference. I mean, I feel games are still like four hours long. Most of the ones that I watch, I know it hasn't made any difference for Baylor games. They're still long as all get out for whatever reasons. So, um, you know, I'm sure others have had different experiences, and they have based on some of the feedback that I've seen. But, um, yeah, I haven't myself noticed and been like, wow, this is definitely different than what we've been watching. It's been negligible uh, on my end. But, um, obviously, there, there has been some difference, and it has been noticeable for some people. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.